It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now... Here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back. Hour number two of the show brought to you by Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World. You know, Resorts World is the newest, biggest, best property here on the Strip. We remind everybody to come out there. If you're looking to watch March Madness, a great place to go is Doghouse. Go there. Enjoy the entertainment. Great seating. They actually have the sports book right inside Doghouse. Free parking. You come right in off the elevator. The gorgeous theater is there with all those great residencies. Find Doghouse and make it your home. And then once you get inside, once you get inside Resorts World, it's magnificent. All the restaurants, the bars, the uh, the great establishments they have, the big names. I love eight. The Cigar Lounge there, my go-to spot. So come on out for March Madness over at Resorts World. So we're just taking a look at some of the moves that are coming in today, and the Raiders are still quiet. They're quiet in regards to the Henderson front. A lot of, uh, not a lot of movement from the Raiders in the first two days of free agency. Does that mean they're going to stand pat? I don't know. I, I don't know what they're doing. I'm trying to get a feel for it. I'm sensing that they're trying to get the house in order in regards to redoing contracts, figuring out what to do with their restricted and unrestricted free agents, figure out how much money to pay Derek Carr, figure out what they're going to do with some of the other contracts they need to restructure, and then jump in if they see a player where the value is where they think the value should be. Paul Gutierrez, five hours ago, the Raiders reworked the contract of center Andre James. His new cap charge is just $1.58 million. So the way they're working these contracts down, you can see right there what the philosophy is within the organization. Cornerback Darius Phillips to the Raiders on a one-year deal, $2.25 million. Uh, that deal is a cheap deal for special teams and a backup player who adds depth to the position. So where are the other breaking news stories out there? Uh, There aren't many because they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with the current roster and the draft and then wait for the market to adjust and not overpay. That's all I can tell you. I've been doing this a long time. I've seen teams jump and overpay like Jacksonville. I've seen other teams like the Patriots over the decades sit back and just go with their draft picks and develop players, and that's where Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler came from, where they take the players that they like, they make them better players, they take the players that they inherit, try to restructure their deal, work their contracts to a more cap-friendly deal, and then if they see a player that they can pounce on, they'll make that move. I, nor you, know the players that they like. It's impossible to know the players that they like. But we can look at their coaches and the type of coaches they have and the type of schemes they want to play. And from what we've heard from Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, he just wants good players that he can line up all over the field. That might help out Jonathan Abram. Might help him and give him a year left that he might not have. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, he's a very good edge rusher. Is he better than Khalil Mack? I don't think so. But they probably didn't want to do that deal. Maybe they thought of doing the deal. They're comfortable with what they have. I think the Raiders need a wide receiver. So if you look at some of the names that are out there, from Allen Robinson to some of the other big names, 
they're big names, but do they fit with what the Raiders want to do with their price point? And I think they're waiting for that price point to go down. Now, Gilbert Manzano is going to join us close to the bottom of the hour on what the Chargers have done. The Chargers have been very aggressive, super aggressive. And then quickly, the breaking news story of the day. It's a remarkable story. Mike Garofola, uh, Garofola reported on it first. Here it is. Randy Gregory flipping and going from agreeing to the Cowboys. He agreed to go to the Cowboys. Then he flipped and he went to the Broncos. Here it is. Randy Gregory, uh, not so fast on the Cowboys agreement, even though the team tweeted it out. Um, oh, wow. As Vic Lombardi, uh, my buddy out in Denver, reported, yeah, he's going to the Broncos, not the Cowboys. Randy Gregory, uh, that deal, you know, we always say they agree on overall terms, but, you know, sometimes you get into the finer details and you got to work it out for whatever reason. And I haven't quite gotten to the bottom of it yet, but I have confirmed the deal with the Cowboys fell apart. So Randy Gregory, a Cowboy through and through to this point, now headed to Denver to join the Broncos. We had talked about maybe Chandler Jones or Von Miller being the pass rusher in Denver. Nope, it turns out to be Randy Gregory. So we will find out more about this one as it develops. But yeah, that one fell apart. I mean, I'm thinking about off the top of my head, Anthony Barr, Mm -hmm. Frank Gore. These are folks that uh, in recent memory had agreed to terms on a deal and then backed out and reversed course. Until that thing is signed, it's not official. Randy Gregory, the latest example. Yeah, it's a big story, huge story. Ed Werder reporting out of Dallas. Broncos ranked Randy Gregory as their top edge in unrestricted free agency over Chandler Jones. Believe they were close to a deal last night. Then owner Jerry Jones of the Cowboys recruited the hell out of him. Cowboys reportedly attempted to change contract after the agreement. Broncos became the choice. Jerry Jones has got a lot of explaining to do because this is a team that's expected to get to the Super Bowl and win, and they just lost a valuable piece who ends up with the Broncos, and the Broncos also got Russell Wilson in a blockbuster deal. So the Broncos and the Chargers have been two of the more active teams, and they're in the division with the Raiders. I think that's what got a lot of Raider fans triggered here and a little bit upset about what they're doing or not doing. 702-365-9200. Raider T is out in Walnut Creek listening online. Thanks, T. Hey, Brick. I got to agree with you and the last caller 100%. I think what they're doing here is they're trying to be smart and not overspend. And um, taking a point of what uh, passionate Raider said, there's holes everywhere. So if you spend all your money on one or two guys, you're not going to be able to fill those holes. And we've seen... Over the years, the Raiders have been a team that have historically, on day one, tried to make a big splash for one or two names, and that didn't get us very far. So Mm. I think what they're doing is they're waiting for the market to readjust and then filling holes with guys that fit their system. And last year, if you weren't convinced with what they did last year in free agency with guys like Perryman, Casey Hayward, all the defensive tackles, guys that were bargain signings and filled out that roster – um, I don't know what will convince you. I think you have to be smart. Don't try and make a big splash to make the fans happy. Do it right and do it smart, and let's let's move forward. I am worried about the moves the other AFC West teams have made, but we can't control that. Let's be smart. Let's build a, a solid team. That's my take. Yeah, I think it's a very good phone call. I agree with a lot of what you had to say. Uh, I am concerned about a better roster that the Chargers have and Denver has. But I thought that would happen. I knew Denver's roster was going to get significantly better. They were either going to get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. And I want to talk more about Deshaun Watson later. 
I figured that was going to happen, but I did not think that J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack would go to the Chargers. Those are game changers, if healthy, along with Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Uh, they have good players on that roster now that could get to the quarterback, and that's why I believe that the Raiders have to go out and get an offensive lineman. I'm not big on rookie offensive linemen. They're boys. They're not men. They're not. They get thrown around, even if they come in the size of Alex Leatherwood or Colt Miller. They struggle early. And if the Raiders find good value with an offensive lineman, he turns out to be a starter, that's great. But usually you draft an offensive lineman and he develops into a starter. Develops into a starter. And if you throw him out there as a rookie, we've seen what happens there. So it's very complicated now. But I'm starting to see the light about what they're doing. They're waiting for the market to readjust and wait for prices to go down. Maybe they won't go down. We're going to have to wait and see. We don't know, but I think that's the plan. What else can the plan be? Uh, Jay in Virginia, you're up next. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Yes, Raider Tex. Uh, thanks, uh, JT, for taking Thank my call. You. I think Raider fans need to relax and realize that we're a 10-win team looking to try to get to 12 and 13. We made the playoffs. All these adjustments that's going on with the Chargers and the Broncos are coming for us. So we just need to show up that line and relax. And I don't see the difference between the J.T. Jackson and Nate Hobbs, which we already have in-house. Oh, come on. Come on. Please don't you say don't that. Say- well, well, no, please don't <laughs> say that. Please don't say J.C. Jackson and Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs almost played himself out of the league. I like Nate Hobbs. Went to yeah, Illinois where my yeah, wife went. Yeah, I yeah. talked to him. I talked to him in person at the Super Bowl and directed him to Willie Brown's daughter for some guidance. I like Nate Brown, uh, uh, Nate Hobbs, but come on. Uh, the number one corner in free agency went to a rival. you got to acknowledge that. Don't compare him to yeah, Nate Hobbs, but- please. Yeah, but but they got to stop us though. You know we can't we can't let them stop us like last year. Mm-hmm. You know Denver, Denver got a better quarterback, but they couldn't stop us on the field. You know we just got to show up that line and and get some bargain pieces. Not jump out there and get another Krakowski Littleton situation. And who are we gonna get? What Jalen Ramsey or T.J. Watt? Nobody's out there that we didn't jump out there and get. Maybe they need to go to get draft picks because the coaches say they want a coach. And that's yeah, what they, they do. Oh, I, I definitely agree with you on that one, Dex. You have to think that the strength of this coaching staff is going to be their ability to go out and coach and take the players that make the team and make them better and go down that 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 area. I mean, Von Miller could be going to the Cowboys quickly. I don't think the Raiders need him. Chandler Jones is not a player that the Raiders need. A lot of fans think of the Honey Badger available. Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham Jr. won't be available. You know, I was hoping by the end of my show today or tomorrow, Stephon Gilmore. The price would drop Absolutely. on him. The price would drop on him, and they'd get a team discount for him in the state of Nevada playing for his old coach, you know, not his head coach, but you know, Josh McDaniels, and we get someone like, someone like that. So I'm pretty optimistic that one of those will go down. Yeah, absolutely. There's other options out there. You know, it's just we just have to make sure we work out. And hopefully Brian Edwards, I don't know why he wasn't on the field as much last year, but when he got him in the red zone, he did come through a couple times for us. But – Somehow he must have found a favor with the old culture regime, and they kept him off the field. They never let him get, really get a chance to get out there. He brought, yep, thank you. But, you know, that's passing. Yep, thanks for the call. I, I don't know what these guys think of Brian Edwards. They might think he's a freak. You know, when Brian Edwards came in and I watched him at the first practice, he looked like, a, a, he looked like Terrell Owens and Des Bryant. Really did. If you put him in a Des Bryant uniform, I couldn't tell the difference with size and strength. 
and he made some plays when he, he could. He, he, he's got good hands at times. He caught one of the best touchdowns of the year. But I don't know if Josh McDaniels thinks he could fit in production-wise into his system, but his contract is conducive to keeping him to see if he can play and these coaches can get more out of him. That's what I hope to see. I hope that if you make the team here and the Raiders don't cut you and the Raiders don't release you or trade you, if you get invited to camp, that very quickly Josh McDaniels from looking at all your tape, talking about everybody around the league, and figuring out what's going to happen going forward, he would say thumbs up or thumbs down. That's what he's going to do. There are going to be a lot of feelings hurt around here, everybody. There are going to be a lot of feelings hurt where Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler look around and say, no, uh, you're a good player. You're a good player, but I don't know if I can go with you. I don't know if I could go with you because I don't think you're going to be cost-effective to where we're at as a team. You're not cost-effective at this point in time, so we're not going to go in that direction. And we all have to grow up and understand that's part of the business. Gangster Raider, up next. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? I agree with you and the caller that just um that just got off the phone before I called because I want to tell Raider Nation to simmer down, simmer down. You know what I'm saying? Relax. Just because a, um, a bunch of good players get signed to a team doesn't mean they're automatically going to win. I'm going to give you a perfect example. Like, I'm here in L.A., and the Lakers, they went out and signed in the offseason. Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, um, yeah. who else? Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza. They bought all the supposed to bring back this dream team, and they struggling to even stay in the playoff. I mean, the play-in pitcher. You know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. 10 games below 500 with all those names or whatever. So I'm telling Raider Nation, just relax, calm down. Just because they got them players don't mean it's going to work because the coach at the Chargers, that guy isn't too bright. He's going to find some way to mess it up. Same with the Broncos. The Broncos have a rookie head coach coming in. You know what I'm saying? They got um they got a brand-new quarterback coming in with a new system. You know what I'm saying? All those teams are gunning for us. It was only two double-digit winning teams in our division, and we were one of them. It was only two teams to make the playoffs from our division, and we are one of them. So – they trying to get where we are. That's why they making the moves they are. They that's that feeling we gave them in Vegas when we sent them home and we went on to the playoffs. They reacting to that. So relax. You know what I'm saying? A lot of players are going to get cut because a lot of teams going to have to be um, crap compliant by tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. So a lot of players are going to come available, and a lot of other player prices are going to be dropping. So relax. You know what I'm saying? What's the name? Just got a $17.5 million deal with Houston, Malik Collins. So that shows you a lot of teams are overpaying. This this, um, regime is trying to be smart. They're trying to get the best players to fit our system with the best price. And also, just look at the extension they did with um, Crosby. Even though he got extended, it's only going $2 million more towards this year cap. You know what I'm saying? So that not only are they getting the best players, they we being fiscally responsible. You know what I'm saying? Then in the next few years, we won't be wondering why we can't go out and get this player. Why we can't go out? Because we're going to be under the cap. We're going to have good, you know, good fiscal responsibility and everything. And also, we are all we got to do really is sure up that offensive line and get um another like. I don't know what's up with Phylon. Are we going to bring Phylon back? You know anything about that, JT? If we I do not. Him I back? do not. And I, I do not. And I thought Phylon. And I appreciate the call, my friend. I got a guest on hold. I got to get to. I love the way Phylon played last year, and the injury down the stretch was really rough. 
I love the way he played. I love the way the defensive tackles played. Solomon Thomas. I like what we saw at times with Hankins. And again, uh, Patrick Graham mentioned him. I thought that the Raiders did a great job last year upgrading the interior defensive line. I'm fascinated by who they're going to bring back at this point, and I don't have any first-hand information on who leads that charge. I just want Yannick Ngakwe and Maxes locked up and then build from within. And again, I think that's going to be a depth position that the Raiders are grow on via the draft. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you coming up. Seth Greenberg, nice enough to give us a few minutes from ESPN, one of the busiest men in all of television. Seth, I saw you on the ESPN Marathon last night with LaFonso Ellis and our friend Sean Farnham as you were keeping control and pounding through the brackets. How are you? I'm doing all right, hanging in there. A little running on fumes, but doing okay. <laughs> uh, Coach, I want to jump in and I'll just throw bullet points at you here. You've seen the Zags. Perfect. Over the last couple of years, and you know, Mark, few the players they've lost to the NBA, how they've been able to reload. Typically, their conference, you know, championship tournament is not loaded like the ACC or the Big Ten. Where do you see them now? As they're peaking, are they peaking at the right time? I think they are because their season doesn't start until the NCAA tournament. Let's face it. I mean, you know, winning a WCC championship isn't their goal. Winning a national championship is their goal, and they can't do that until March. And that's just the way it is. So. I would think that you know the great thing is they finished their conference tournament early, so I think that's a good week of practice, a good week to get refocused, a good week to kind of gear up to understand, you know, re-identify roles and goals, and and get your team, you know, in in the right space. And I'm sure that's what Mark did. In that bracket, in that side, there, do you think in the West, uh, the biggest threat would be Arkansas or maybe Texas Tech? Before we get to Duke and what you're seeing with Coach K. Yeah, well, UConn, Arkansas, and Texas Tech, all three of those guys, because they're all you know really aggressive defensively, built on the defensive end. You know, UConn's got really is really athletic. Sunogo's a low post scorer that could maybe get someone in foul trouble. Arkansas, obviously, with Williams and uh, JD Note, and the size of their perimeter defenders, I think, is a factor. There's no doubt about that. And then Texas Tech, when they keep you on the sideline, now they put it to Texas Tech pretty good already. They played them already, so uh, you know I think it's. Uh, you know, it's not going to be easy. It never is. I mean, it's hard It's hard to win. It's hard to win when you're expected to win. It's hard to win, obviously, in this tournament uh, where, you know, one bad night knocks you out. Seth Greenberg joins us. I really enjoyed your analysis after the Duke game when they lost to North Carolina. Really honest, opinionated about Coach K, that last game, his frustration, then the conference tournament. What are you thinking about Duke and the drop-off of their defense? What have you seen on tape, Coach? Yeah, you know, the middle ball screen defense is not good. That's just plain mm-hmm. and simple. It's not good. They're not making the uh, offense feel them at all and impacting the ball. Uh, they're not creating the turnovers they were turn- uh, creating early in the season. Uh, you know, they're just not as physical. they got some guys on the floor that are not great defenders. Like Paul is not a very good defender. He's a very good offensive player when he's aggressive, but he's not a great defender. So, uh, you know, I think uh, – I think they got to clean it up. I mean, plain and simple. I think they got to clean it up. They got to be more committed. They've got to be more assertive. Uh, they can't take plays off. Uh, those are the things that get you beat. You know, in the NCAA tournament, you know, it's one game and you're done. It's one take one play off, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going home. So, I think they, you know, I'm interested to see how they practice this week. Coach K thought they played hard. I, you know, they got. It, it's not even the Virginia Tech game that concerned me. It was the. It was the. It was the Syracuse game without Buddy Beheim that concerned me. 
Yeah, I, I heard what you said on the marathon about Virginia Tech and Texas and how that seeding should have flip-flopped there from 6 to 11, but that's the Kentucky bracket. And every year I'm used to Coach Cal talking about how young they are. Well, that's what he wants. He wants young players. A lot of them go to the NBA. Uh, what have you seen for our listeners with Kentucky here, the blue blood here, what they have to do? What, what is the mistake they make most commonly when they get beat that they can't make in the tournament? Mitz and, Mitz and uh, Grady got to make some shots to open up the floor, and uh, I think that's really important. And then when people get up and into them, they got to be strong with the ball, get the shot they want. Uh, be disciplined defensively, which they have been pr- most of all. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing is don't get pushed out. I mean, you, people are going to take a look at that Tennessee tape, and they're going to see how Tennessee pushed them out a little bit. You can't let people push you out. you got to be strong with the ball, catch it where you want, get the shot you want. Wrapping it up with Seth Greenberg, you talked about the length today uh, and last night on uh, USC and what they can do against Miami. You got Auburn. I love the way Iowa's playing and Kansas coach in the Midwest. Which team do you think is most vulnerable and which team do you like as an outside chance maybe to get to the Final Four? Yeah, I like Iowa. I like Iowa. Mm-hmm. I like Keegan Murray. I like their ability to score. I like the ability to change defenses. I like their ability to pass the ball. Don't discount the number one seed, Kansas, because Kansas, uh, with Remy Martin playing well, is a different team. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Oshai Baji, obviously, but it's Christian Brown and it's Jalen Wilson when they're playing well. And David McCormick played really, really well in the championship game. But I like this. I like this Iowa team. I like that. I like that they play different paces. I like that they have a guy that can take over a game and maybe have a Kemba type run. So I really, li- I really like this Iowa team. Coach, finally, does Illinois have a puncher's chance against Arizona in that Sweet 16 game if they both get there? Yeah, I think that's going to be. I think the one thing about Arizona is they got multiple bigs. Multiple yeah. bigs is a big thing. So. I'm not sure that's a great matchup. The guards got to play better. The guards haven't played as well in the last three games, and they're senior guards. You would expect them to play well. Thank you, Coach. I know you've been busy. Thanks for making hey, time for you. All the best. You, Thank you. You got it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. Seth Greenberg, nice to catch up with him here. As I'm still building the bracket here, looking at the favorites and trying to get one sleeper team to come in here, I tell you, the team I'm leaning for is Duke. I buy into this as I tweeted out earlier. LeBron James, Tom Brady, recent won, recently won championships. Two years ago, why not Coach K on the way out? He's a two seed. It's not a three, four, five seed. They're a two seed. And I think Duke is going to be highly motivated to play for him. I think it's all in. It's his last tournament ever. I like Duke. I might pick him to win it all. I picked Gonzaga the last couple of years and got burned. I'm rooting for Gonzaga. I'd like to see Gonzaga win. I just don't think they're battle-tested heading into the tournament. It always comes back to bite them. Uh, More reports. Mike Garofolo, 14 minutes ago. Patriots trading guard Shaq Mason to the Buccaneers. And the Texans are signing their own, agreeing to terms with tight end Farrell Brown. Sources said he gets a one-year deal, $4 million. So Rappaport and Schefter are the two we're watching, plus all the great Raider insiders, to see if there's anything on the Raider fund. Rich Samini reported covering the Jets. The Jets have agreed to terms with former Buck safety Jordan Whitehead. Another proven starter for the Jets secondary. Jets have been trying to get better for quite some time. And there's a big deal. The Jets have signed cornerback D.J. Reed. So with the Jets being active in what they're doing, they got a safety and a starting corner, and they got a couple of high draft picks. But nothing's bigger than Randy Gregory slipping on the Cowboys and going to the Broncos. Broncos go out and get a big-time player on defense that the Raiders will now see twice a year. 
Speaking about who the Raiders will see twice a year, coming up in a bit, Gilbert Manzano, the Chargers beat writer. I reached out to him today because the Chargers got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. I want to know how they did it. What's the philosophy of that organization that plays in the same division as the Raiders as we're brought to you by Grimaldi's. Always having Grimaldi's because it's the best pizza I've ever had. I understand the criticism. We felt like we could get the run. We felt like um, the personnel grouping that they had out there, they weren't in a goal line defense. We felt like we had a plenty good enough, you know, play call for that. And um, they took away the, the advantage look, and um, it just didn't go down for us tonight. But we had a great stop on defense, um, you know, forced them to kick three, and uh, we, you know, went right back out there and had a chance. You know, it was a one-possession game. So, um, you know, I understand that that decision will be questioned, but in my mindset, that you know, that's a yard that we can get. Yeah, there he is. That's Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers, and I don't agree with him at all, and I think he's a liability, fortunately, to the Chargers. But, you know, we talk about the AFC West on the flagship of the Raiders, and I am very concerned about what they've done in L.A., like I'm concerned with what they're doing in Denver as I try to run a radio show every day talking about what it will take to get the Raiders to win a championship. And Gilbert Manzano is a frequent guest of the show and this ever Charger Breaking news, he used to cover the Raiders. Now he covers the Chargers along with boxing, and he's kind enough to join us. Gilbert, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. And on the Khalil Mack deal, that's what I want to know about. When did you get wind of this coming about, and they were going to put this deal together? You know, it, it just happened pretty late. You know, I'm curious to see what, what Brandon Staley says about the move, and, and it feels like such a long time ago, but that was a week ago uh, because the Chargers have made so many moves since then. But definitely the Khalil Mack trade is the biggest for the Chargers. When you got Khalil Mack, that's when they got real for the Chargers. Okay, they're all in to you know to really take advantage of Justin Herbert's rookie deal, you know, revamp the defense. But I think it was you know maybe a little bit of a surprising move. But when you think about it, you know you know Brandon Staley has always raved about Khalil Mack in his uh, introductory press conference a year ago uh, after he got hired got hired by the Chargers. He said. The reason that I know that I could make it in the NFL as a coach because I gained Khalil Mack's respect. I was able to utilize Khalil Mack and bring out the best in him. So uh, that kind of shows you how close Khalil uh, and Brandon are. Uh, so for him to come back out west, back to the AFC West, JP, uh, as you know, spent some great years with the Raiders. Uh, it's a good reunion for the Chargers, but this definitely changes the whole perspective for the Chargers and how they kind of approach the offseason. I absolutely believe this because Joey Bosa – is a hell of a player, and, you know, I've seen him play live a bunch. I know what his engine looks like, his motor, but Mac's a different player, and as great as Bosa is, I think Mac is better, and you got a double team at times, both of them, leaving a tight end or a running back to chip, and if both of those players are healthy, and we cannot predict the health of players, especially that athletic who twitch that way and can do what they can do, it's an incredible move, and the way the deal is structured here, Gilbert, before we get to J.C. Jackson, agreeing to that five-year deal. It just seems like there's a lot of players there who are either going to get paid, Mike Williams was brought back, or they're going to have to get paid very quickly coming off this next year and the following year. It really looks like the Rams model in the same building. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, you know, the Chargers always have, you know, good talent, but it's never been like a whole, like they never have a lot of depth behind them, but they always have guys like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. 
Uh, but, you know, that's what they're always kind of the trendy pick in the offseason. Okay, the Chargers look good, Justin Herbert and all that. But the guys behind them, you know, they, they lack you know, they lack depth, they lack playmakers. But the guys that they do kind of build homegrown, the first-round picks, they do take care of them like a Mike Williams. Uh, but, I, but I think this whole approach seems different from other years with, with, with Tom Telesco, GM of the Chargers, who's been there 10 years now. And, you know, you know I'm going to be honest, the results haven't been good. He hasn't won a division in the AFC West. Uh, you know, you know, two playoff appearances in the last 10 years. So he had to kind of change the whole model. Like, yeah, take care of the guys that, who have been good. Definitely Mike Williams, you got to take care of him. Uh, but you got to be more aggressive. You saw what the Rams just did, you know, won the Super Bowl, crosstown rival. You saw what the Broncos did, uh, got Russell Wilson. You saw what the Raiders did to, to them uh, in mm-hmm. Vegas and made the playoffs on, on that crazy game. Uh, so they had to get aggressive at one point. It kind of changed the model. Uh, so for this kind of a weird territory for Tom Telesco, but you know, re-signing Mike Williams is kind of the same old uh, philosophy of drafting them, developing them, and then uh, repaying them. But the whole Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, this is brand new territory for the Chargers, and it just really shows you how that you know they're feeling maybe a little bit of the pressure for for all the reasons I just said. Uh, but they have to win now, and they got to take advantage of that you know Justin Herbert rookie deal luxury right now. Yeah, absolutely. Gilbert Manzano's our guest. He covers the Chargers, the NFL, and he's a great boxing insider. So I want to go to the J.C. Jackson signing. I can understand, you know, what I heard today, that the Patriots didn't think he'd act well on a franchise tag. I'm surprised they didn't tag him. I thought he'd come back on a tag. He was the player. And then I thought the Raiders would have interest with him, obviously with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels knowing him to be a good fit and a need for the Raiders. How would the Chargers jump in line there? The money is significant there, but the relationship and how they convinced him to do it, is it fair to say that Khalil Mack? And the signing before that had something to do with Jackson coming to L.A.? Yeah, and I think that definitely helps. And, he, and he's uh, close friends with Derwin James from the Florida days, so they know each other very well. You know, he, and I think he also played, you know, he did definitely play at Riverside City College. So he's familiar with Southern California. Uh, he was going from a transition from Florida to Riverside City College to, to Maryland. So all that kind of came into play. But, you know, the thing that kind of surprised me is the, is the money on the deal. You know, I, th- I thought he was chasing Jalen Ramsey money. Uh, you know, $100 million kind of range. You know, he, he got paid really well, but it, he wasn't top five cornerback, uh, you know, paid in terms of the salary scale. And he, But he's played like a top five cornerback the last couple of years. Uh, so you kind of wonder what happened there with the Patriots. Maybe the Patriots didn't see, you know, him, you know, worthy of being, you know, that high of a cornerback. And maybe J.C. Jackson was a little surprised when, when the when the offers came in. And who knows if the Raiders made one or who knows what happened with, with the negotiations. But, it felt like everybody who was an insider in the NFL kept pointing the direction at the Chargers for J.C. Jackson. So maybe it was like you mentioned, other you know those moves of Khalil Mack being familiar. He's, he's, uh, there's a lot of connections too with the coaching staff from the college days. So I'm sure all that kind of came into came into play. And maybe he's like, you know what, for, I don't really care about that much money. Forty million guaranteed. It's fine with me uh, to be comfortable with, with guys I know. So uh, it just changed the whole you know perspective for the Chargers because for, for Brandon Staley especially because. He came in as a defensive guru uh, last year, what he did with the Rams and what he's done with the Bears as an assistant coach and the Broncos as well with Vic Fangio. But it didn't turn out the way last year, and you start wondering, okay, this guy has what it takes to be uh, uh, to be called a defensive guru. Uh, but now you bring Khalil Mack, you bring in J.C. Jackson to kind of take care of that, you know, the number one wide receiver, and that creates opportunities for Derwin James and, and uh, Joey Bosa. And I'm sure you go to the next topic, but. You know they have problems with the run with with the stopping the run. That was a problem. You saw Josh Jacobs get that last uh, big run, and it cost him a playoff spot. But you know having playmakers in that defense, you're going to really mm-hmm. see if Brandon State is going to be the real deal 
defensive guru because he didn't have the playmakers a year ago. It might be like an, it might sound like an excuse, but now he has them. And let's see what you got, Brandon Staley. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Staley. I told you that we can agree to disagree, and everybody has an opinion. You cover the team, and I understand where you have to stand on that. I don't like the way he's reckless on fourth down, uh, going for it on fourth down on his own 18. I think ended up costing him the game. Uh, he did it in another game. I think he could be reckless as a head coach. He doesn't have any experience, big time experience as a head coach. But I respect what he's done as his assistant in the past. It just, for me, the reason why I wanted to get you on to talk about this was it was the two players that I think moved the needle the most. And people are going to talk about Randy Gregory and other good defensive players. There is no doubt J.C. Jackson was the number one corner available. He might have been overpriced for some teams. He wasn't for the Chargers, and they got him. And he's a hell of a player, and he's a ball hawk. And then Khalil Mack, I've always liked his game. I compared him to Lawrence Taylor when he came out. So these are significant moves for the Chargers and Gilbert. I'll leave it with this with you. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's not the fans' money. If they're able to fit this in and do it under the cap and get creative and have an opportunity to go from a non-playoff team to a Super Bowl contender as they're trying to gain fans in L.A., I mean, they are competing hard with the Rams in their own building, let alone LeBron James and the Dodgers and all that. I won't call it a desperate move. I just think it's very aggressive. Yeah, no, it's very aggressive, and it is kind of a different approach from what the GM has done, and, and also from the Spanish family has done. You know, for many years, like yeah, they spent some money to get Corey Lindsay guys like that, uh, but never to the extent of trading for 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 a big superstar like Khalil Mack. They've never really done that in the last ten years, or even going back to the Philip Rivers' uh, early years. So uh, yeah, and, and it's crazy because in, in LA, it's such a different market, and you know, when they trade for Khalil Mack, you think they'll get headlines that way. But that was the day that baseball came back, and the Dodgers mm-hmm. are kings in L.A. So it wasn't kind of a splash move. You know, they're trying. That's the best you could do is try and hope for the best. But until they win games, they go to the playoffs, make a Super Bowl run. The Rams went to the Super Bowl, and then it didn't feel like it was some, that was a big of a difference maker. It's going to take time and take years, decades of winning. Uh, but the Chargers haven't done the winning part yet, and they've been in L.A. for five, five six years now. So... You know, they're trying. That, that's, what, that's what they're doing right now. But, you know, Brandon Staley has to put it together. Uh, Tom Telesco has to show that he's worth to be around for another, you know, 11 seasons, 12 seasons. Uh, so uh, they got the playmakers now. It's, it's, it's always fun to me when the Chargers are in March or May or whatever before the, the season starts. And people are always looking at the roster with pro bowlers. And they, and they always pick them as a trendy pick for the Super Bowl. Uh, and I'm always kind of skeptical. Like right now, I see holes in the offensive line. The mm-hmm. special team is still a disaster. Uh, so I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. But they're trying. They're being aggressive. And like I mentioned earlier, I know we disagree on Brandon Staley, but he finally has the playmakers. you got to go and prove it, that you could actually be a defensive coach and make Justin Hurd one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Thank you, Gilbert. Great contact, uh, content as always. G Manzano24 is where to follow him on Twitter. Talk to you down the road uh, over the summer. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, JT. Always fun. You got it, Gilbert Manzano. Appreciate that, Chargers insider and beat reporter. Look, I root against the Chargers. Anybody who knows me, knows me on the radio, knows I actively root against the Chargers. And I like a lot of their fans. I lived in San Diego for eight years. I saw pretty much every game he ever played in Oakland. And I saw the one he played in Vegas as a member of the Colts. Not many people did. I looked around that building. There was like 10 of us there. I know the Chargers well. And I know when they're full of crap, which is most of the time. They're not now. These are bold, dramatic moves. 
And I think it has everything to do with what happened with the Rams. I don't think it has anything to do with the owner. I don't think it has anything to do with the quarterback. The contract's a big deal because he he's going to get paid an enormous amount of money. And they have a chance to pounce on that. But what they're doing is predicated on the success of the Rams in L.A. And the business model not to fall behind the Rams are already well behind the Rams, well behind the Raiders, which I think the Rams are behind the Raiders in L.A. But the Rams stack a couple of Super Bowls, things can change there. But when you look at this team and what they've done, they've made some aggressive moves recently. Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson are legit guys. I don't care which quarterback you follow, which team you follow. When you're fading back and Derwin James is in center field, J.C. Jackson's in single coverage, Mack and Bosa are coming off the edge. That's going to be a fierce defense. Coached by a defensive coach. And offenses are going to have to act accordingly. The Chargers made a lot of noise. Normally, they bloviate. They tell you how great they're going to be, and then the trap gets set, and a bunch of jokers in L.A. media tell you that they got the best roster and they're great because they get invited for coffee and they get free bagels from the team and little stuffed animals. Well, and that's true, by the way. But the Chargers made some noise, and that's why I'm talking about it. And I'll continue to talk about it with Denver, the Chargers, or anybody in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals, who the Raiders were able to play. I want to mention that because I haven't spent a lot of time on the Bengals this week. The Bengals are another team historically. They don't do anything. They don't spend any money. They don't get involved in free agency. They're cheap. Now they went to the Super Bowl, and it seems like they're a new team. They're a new team, and they're a new aggressive team. They're also in the AFC, and they beat the Raiders twice. So that is a concern for me. Now, if the Bengals disappear, and we don't hear from them again because – you know, their owner, Mike Brown, does what he typically does and just disappears and they get cheap again and they don't do anything, then that's cool. But what happens if all of a sudden the Bengals are a team that the Raiders got to compete against constantly in the AFC because all of a sudden Mike Brown's daughter says, hey, we're all in now. We got a window with Joe Barrow and we got some really good players and every year we're going to go all in until we give Barrow his new deal. Could happen. They're doing it with the Chargers with Justin Herbert. They're doing it with the Chargers with Herbert. ESPN right now, as I speak, just went out there with Ryan Clark's best available free agents. At number five, they have Allen Robinson, the wide receiver, who I think the Raiders are taking a look at. At number four, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, who I think the Raiders should look at. Number three, Von Miller. I don't think Von Miller's a need for the Raiders at this age and what he's doing here, but you never know. Von Miller ranked number three. Number two, Taron Armstead. Uh, one of the best left tackles in football. I think the Raiders are set there with Colt Miller. And the number one, Bobby Wagner, who was released by Seattle, who's a great player, I believe a future Hall of Famer. I believe if Bobby Wagner retired today, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best linebackers to play the last 10 years. The Raiders were able to get K.J. Wright, a very good player, a very good player, but not a great player. I don't think he's as good as Bobby Wagner and Ryan Clark said, if you bring in Bobby Wagner at the right price instantly, you have one of the best linebacking rooms in all of football. And the Raiders have really struggled with linebacking in free agency and in the draft and what they've done. Nicholas Morrow, injured, all right, injured, and I can't believe how long that injury was last year. Good player was going to wear the C and play a lot. Nick Witkowski didn't work out, and Corey Littleton was a disaster. So the Raiders should always be content at looking deeper into the linebacker position because I think it's going to be really important to them. 
last call for free agents right now uh, before I'm on tonight on Sirius XM. And I hope there's some Raider news. If not, Q's coming up next. Vinny right after that. They got a lot of great content today, I'm sure. Well, last time to get in, I got an open phone segment coming up next on a busy day, 702-365-9200. If you got a player, I just gave you five available, maybe two or three fit for the Raiders. Who you got? Who you want? Right here on the flagship of the Raiders. Yeah, um, you know, you need to you need to be able to uh, look at the whole year as an opportunity to improve your team. Uh, it's not just small windows in March or April. Um, there's opportunities, you know, in pro free agency. There's opportunities in the draft. There's opportunities after the draft with players that didn't get drafted. There's opportunities that are going to present themselves later on in the spring, the summer, um, you know, all the way through the course of the, the, the season, the trade deadline. So, um, you know, being patient and trying to develop your roster over time and taking a longer-term approach to it um, is something that we're going to try to do. Um, we know we have areas where we got to address them at some point, um, whether that's a, a front-line player or depth. And But we're no different than any other team at this point in time. That's Josh McDaniels, new head coach of the Raiders at the Combine. How about that? Maybe that should be played. For every rejoin on every radio show on this channel the rest of the day. Basically told you what they're going to do. They're going to be patient. They look at it long term. They look at the entire offseason, not just free agency. And if they feel they can go get a player at any time in the summer, the draft, undrafted players, whatever it is, they're going to look to improve the roster and let the coaches put their hands on these players, get them on the field and coach them up and and develop those players so they have their new in-house guys The question is, who are going to be the new guys for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels? Uh, This tweet comes in from Thomas. JT, I think adding Bobby Wagner and Honey Badger would be great for our defense. Defending the quarterbacks in our division takes more than just physical ability. Those two would bring a tremendous amount of intelligence and leadership to a side of the ball that is going to be relied on to make some key stops. Both players make a lot of sense for us right now. Well, I could see, you know, Trayvon Merrick is a good young player and pro football focus and the rankings of him and where he lined up correctly and made some plays. I'd like to see him make more plays as a ball hawk with the ball in the air, but that could come along. And I would never complain about Bobby Wagner. Again, he's one of the few players playing in this league that has something left in the tank and is still a Hall of Famer if it all ended today. I would never complain about a move like that. And again, as we've always talked about, Vegas is supposed to be able to recruit. If you don't believe that guys are supposed to, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. Guys are not going to play for less. If an agent calls, if an agent calls and says you're going to Jacksonville for a million more a year than you're going to play in L.A. with the Chargers, you go to Jacksonville. If someone says, hey, you can go to the Raiders for a million dollars less, but there's going to be no state taxes, you're going to be in Vegas, you get a better house in a better neighborhood for cheaper than you could in L.A. I mean, I've always believed that was supposed to be a part of the program going forward here in the recruiting process is Vegas. New stadium, new facility. We'll see how that plays out. Jared in Vegas is up next. Hello, Jared. Hey, JT. How's it going? Doing good. Thank you. 
Thanks. Uh, long-time listener on multiple platforms. I love what you do. Um, I uh, I uh, am tired of the sky is falling narrative out there by uh, of the nation. You know what? Um, I think we all should understand what we got into in accepting Josh McDaniels and I wholeheartedly accept Josh, Dave, Champ, and everything that they plan on doing with this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, I come to the Raiders um, oh, 42 years now, but I was introduced by my grandfather, and uh, he had many sayings, but one of my favorite sayings by my grandfather was, pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. And uh, we've had some real hogs sign on this day. Um, Corey Littleton was a hog of a contract. He was a bust. He never produced. He was a special teamer at best. And um, if that's the kind of stuff that we're going to get on day one, because guys are looking to get paid, not to necessarily be um, all-timers. Not, not, they're not playing for that, for that jacket, for that mustard jacket that, mm-hmm. um, that the Raider Nation um, players usually usually covet, you know. Um, and that's what I want to see. I want to see players like Max that come in and covet that jacket. I'm, I'm not looking for the short play either, like Dave and, uh, and Josh are. They're not looking for the short play. Yeah, They're looking to be here. And, um, and anything spent on this day or the day before, to me, in my opinion, those are cats that are trying to get fed like hogs, and um, those kind of dudes get slaughtered later on. Their deal will yeah. get cut. It'll get cut to pieces. They'll get asked to rework. They'll get kicked on down the line. And um, I want, I want Raiders. Period. Raiders. Thanks for the call. You know, there was. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you checking in here. You know, there's a tweet that just came in that I want to share with you before we leave. Brandon Thorne, who has the Trench Warfare newsletter, and he's an offensive line scout for Bleacher Report. He tweet. You know, he he made he made an interesting tweet. He said Shaq Mason is a top five right guard in the NFL. And Warren Sharp, who's a big name in social media, said Belichick spent $288 plus million in free agency last year to overpay guys like Janu Smith and Nelson Aguilar. And now he can't afford to pay his right guard, so he trades him for a fifth. And remember, I'm not saying everything the Patriots do is right. They built the dynasty. And Josh McDaniels was there for six Super Bowls. Dave Ziegler's been there. You know, I thought that the Belichick and that team was so ferocious and over the top last year, flipping that roster. And some of it worked out as they made the playoffs, and some of it wasn't perfect. I would bet you a buck that both Ziegler and McDaniels are sitting in the Raider conference room looking back on what they saw with Belichick and the staff last year in New England, what they liked and didn't like as they're making decisions now in Las Vegas. Good show today. Really appreciate the calls. They were outstanding. A lot of good opinions, and I think we calmed down the Raider Nation, at least for a couple hours. That seemed to be the theme on the phones today. Hopefully something happens. Allen Robinson, Stephon Gilmore. And if it happens in the next couple hours, you'll hear about it on the flagship. I'll be on tonight from 7 to 10 on Sirius XM 82. Excited to be on Mad Dog Sports Radio. There's a ton of baseball news. I'll have my bracket filled out tomorrow with a couple of picks for March Madness. 
Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for Bobby for putting the show together. Gilbert Manzano was fantastic. Jeff Sherman, we appreciate all the guests that we had today. Have a great day, everybody.